The Old Testament lesson is written in the 49th chapter of the prophet Isaiah, beginning at the 8th verse. Thus says the Lord, In a time of favor I have answered you, in a day of salvation I have helped you. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people to establish the land and apportion the desolate heritages, saying to the prisoners, Come out, and to those who are in darkness, appear, and they shall feed along the ways. On all the bare heights shall be their pleasure, pasture. And they shall not hunger or thirst, neither scorching wind nor sun will strike them, for he who has pity on them will lead them, and by springs of water he will guide them. And I will make all my mountains a road, and my highways shall be raised up. Behold, these shall come from afar, and behold, these from the north and from the west and from the lands of Sinai. Sing to the, for joy, O heavens, and exalt, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. To you I lift up my eyes. To you are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, the eyes of the servants look to the hand of their master. So their eyes look to the Lord our God, till he has mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord. Have mercy upon us. The Holy Gospel is written in the sixth chapter of St. John, beginning at the first verse. Praise be to thee, O Lord. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. And lifted up his eyes then, seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? And he said this to test him, for he knew himself what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii would not buy enough bread for each to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and, and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. And Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, also the fish, as much as they could eat. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. And when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force and make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Middle Ages 
were perhaps too poor to be clean or properly fed. And because of this, they suffered more than any other period in time from epidemics. The Yellow Plague devastated Ireland in 550 and in 664, killing many. Similar pestilences struck Wales a little while later in the 6th century and then England in the 7th. A malady known to the French as Mal des Ardennes, which is described as a burning of the intestines, swept through France and Germany in 994, 1043, 1089, and 1130. Plagues of leprosy and scurvy may have come from returning crusaders in the centuries after that. There is a record in Poland of what's called the Plica Polanica, a disease of the hair, which was apparently brought to Poland during the Mongol invasion of 1287. The harassed population, therefore, of Europe knew epidemics, it knew famine, it knew pestilences. And, and, but yet the, the interesting thing about their history is that they never lost their faith in Christ. They never gave up their belief in our Lord. They always stood firm and followed Jesus. They were like the crowds in today's gospel lesson for Latare, the fourth Sunday in Lent, for they followed him. They followed Jesus because they saw the signs which he performed upon those who were diseased. So our European Christian forebears clung to and followed Jesus in the midst of numerous plagues, epidemics, upheavals, wars, and economic downturns. And why did the people do this? Well, I think for the same reason that the people followed Jesus in John 6, 1 to 16, because they saw the signs which Jesus had performed on those who were diseased. They saw the signs which Jesus performed on those who were diseased. Now, we too in the United States, we, we are filled with fears because we too face, face something that is called a disease. We too are being asked by our government to shelter in place in our homes. And while we do this, we desire too to see Jesus' signs. We, we desire also to experience his deliverance and to know his love, especially in these times of uncertainty. In fact, Holy Scripture is full of such requests to see Jesus' signs. In Matthew 12, 34, the Pharisees and the scribes came to Jesus and they said, Rabbi, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered them, and he said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Matthew 12, 39. For as Jonah was three nights and three days in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three nights and three days in the heart of the earth. Then Jesus goes on to say, the men of Nineveh will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah and indeed something greater than Jonah is here. You see, Jonah came to Nineveh with a very simple message for the Ninevites. The Ninevites were a brutal, decadent, 
wealthy, corrupt empire. And his message to these people was very, very simple. It was, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And how did the people react? The people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast. They put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. So, what will we do as we, as we are required by the government God has established to, to remain at home? Will we contemplate why God has allowed this crisis to break upon us? I know, I know we will. I know I am already. Because this thing that we are confronting as a nation and a world has changed the, the direction, the trajectory of all of our lives. And yet Holy Scripture, and Holy Scripture tells us that this happens because many are the plans, it says in Proverbs 19.21, in the heart of a man, but the will of the Lord is established. So, why would a loving God, why would our loving Savior Jesus Christ, why would He allow something like this to happen to our world and to our nation? Why would He allow this to happen to our lives? Why would the God who who became flesh for us so that we who are dead in our trespasses and sins might live, why would he allow such a thing as a pandemic? Well, it's a good question, and it's one that we have to address. It's one that would be disservice, at least at this juncture of things to ignore. And I I think a very good answer is given to us by one of the English Reformation leaders his name was Thomas Cramner, and he, he was the Archbishop of Canterbury, the first Protestant Archbishop of Canterbury. And in the, in his, he writes, in the, he was the one that first wrote the Book of Common Prayer at a time when bubonic plague was, was a frequent pestilence upon England. In fact, in the 1500s alone, when Cramner was Archbishop, there were numerous outbreaks of the, plague, the Black Plague. And in that Book of Common Prayer, he gives something which I think is very, very, very helpful, very useful. I've, I find it very comforting to myself. And, it, and, it, and what he says is this. He says, Dearly beloved, know you this, that Almighty God is the Lord of life and death, and of all things to them pertaining as youth and strength, health and age and weakness and, and sickness. Wherefore, whatsoever your sickness is, know you certainly that this is God's visitation. And for what cause soever this sickness is sent upon you, whether it be, and, and this, is where it, it, this is where he becomes very poignant, I think, and he, there's, for there's a colon here, and then he says, whether it be, first of all, to try your patience as an example for others. Number two, he says, or that your faith may be found in the day of the Lord laudable, glorious, and honorable, to the increase of glory and endless felicity. And then there's the third, the third cause, which I kind of call the factory setting cause. It's the one that we always default to, it seems like. I know I do when something goes wrong. I, you know, I, I, we always think we did something, right, to deserve this somehow. But he says, Or else it be sent unto you to correct and amend in you whatsoever doth offend in the eyes of your heavenly Father. So those are the three points the first of all is to try your patience for the example of others. In other words, so other people might see what you're going through and they see your faith and they're converted through that. Or that it might be that God is making your faith stronger through this experience. 
And the third possibility, and neither one, neither of these possible, none of these possibilities are mutually exclusive. It could be all three. It could be just two. It could be one. But the final thing is that there's something in your life God wants you to amend, and so He's using this crisis to get you to realize it and amend it. And I don't know, I don't know which one it is, but. Cramner goes on to write, he says, Know you certainly that if you truly repent of your sins and bear your sickness with patience, trusting in God's mercy for his dear Son, Jesus Christ's sake, it shall turn to your profit. Profound words. Words that are very much centered in Scripture. And I've always found them very helpful, especially when I stand at a deathbed and, or a sickbed. Now, is it possible that we, you know, we should start with the, the last one first? Is it possible that this adversity we are facing is, is God's discipline? Well, it's possible. It's possible. Of course it is. Because, because we pray to our Father who art in heaven, right? And, 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 as, and as God tells us in Hebrews 12, 7, what, what father is he who does not discipline his children? If you don't have discipline, you're not, a, you're, not a, you're, you're not a legitimate child. And Solomon writes that whoever spares the rod hates his son. He who loves him is diligent to discipline him. And none of us can deny, can we, that we have not in numerous ways merited God's punishment, his discipline, his discipline especially, yes. Not really his punishment, his discipline. Because the goal of discipline is not, is not our condemnation, but it is our betterment. It is, it, is to, it is to guide the child so that they make better decisions. It's never just to punish them, it's to make them better. Because as Solomon writes in Proverbs twenty two fifteen, folly is, is bound up in the heart of a child. It's bound up in our heart. But the rod of God's discipline drives it out. So perhaps this, this mess that we are living through, this, this nightmare in many ways, is, is to drive some folly from our hearts collectively or maybe individually. I, I don't know. But maybe it isn't. But maybe that's not what it is at all. I think the two previous possibilities are just as just as in, just as interesting and and maybe even more valid right because if Christ bore our sins on the cross if he paid the penalty for our sins then there's no more punishment for them remaining for us right so why would God do this well maybe maybe God is doing this maybe he's sent this upon us so that our lives might be used as an example to those around us so that they might see our faith in the midst of this thing that people cannot understand and that they will be brought to salvation through it. I mean, consider, consider how often you and I, we've wondered, especially when we were young, what is the purpose of my life? What, why am I here? Why was I conceived? Why did God cause me to be put in this family and in this place and in these circumstances? Have you ever wondered that? I know I have. I've wondered it. Well, the answer may be to use your 
tribulation, you're going through this crisis, whatever that crisis may be, this one that we're in right now or another one, so that, so that through your experiencing that difficult thing, God will bring another human being made in his image, priceless in God's sight, to salvation. And if that's what God uses our lives for, that is a good thing. After all, wasn't that why Jesus came into the world? I mean, consider Christ. He was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and made man. Why? For what reason? To have a good life, to have pleasure, to enjoy a wonderful experience on earth? No, he came to die. He came not to serve, not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Christ was born with the goal of the Golgotha, the place of the skull in mind. Christmas only gains its meaning if there's a Good Friday. And if only if there's a Good Friday does Easter have a purpose either. And if we follow Christ, then we will be called also to pick up our cross, Jesus says, and follow him. Yes. And the, the second option is that God uses adversity kind of like a pruning knife. Because Jesus says in John 15, verse 1 to 2, he says, I am the vine and, and you are the branches. And whoever does not bear fruit is cut off. But whoever bears fruit, he prunes that it might bear more fruit. So these difficult times, these challenging times that we are finding ourselves in the midst of, might be God's pruning so that we who are already bearing fruit might bear more fruit, might bear good fruit, even better fruit. And this is maybe true. I think it is. I really do think it is. I, I think as some of, our, some of our elders and some of our council members have said to me this week, you know, this, this may indeed be a gift. This is maybe a time that we are being presented with as a gift. And what, is, what, do, we, what do I mean by that? Well, we're being given time, time with our families, time with our friends, time with those who we would normally not spend time with. We're also being presented with new opportunities and new ways of ministering to people, of serving our neighbor and serving, serving each other. We're also being given the gift of an opportunity to spend more time with God in prayer and in study of his word. And in fasting, as we, serve, as we call upon God daily, which he commands us to do, calling upon him for all of our needs and the needs of those around us. That's why God says to us, Jesus says to us in John 14, 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And again, in Psalm 50, verse 15, God commands us, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you will honor me. Likewise, Jesus' younger brother James writes, if anyone, is, if anyone of you suffers, he should pray. Finally, in Psalm 18, verse 6, we read the psalmist writing, he says, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. I cried to my God for help. And from his temple, he heard my cry for his help. Yes, Jesus heard the cries of the sick 
in today's gospel lesson, and he healed them with his signs. And that's the reason why the 5,000 followed Jesus out into the wilderness. They, they followed him out into the wilderness, not even thinking about what they were going to eat, even though it was the Passover. And yet with a mere five barley loaves and two small fish, Jesus fed 5,000. He fed them so thoroughly that they had 12 baskets full of the leftover fragments of the barley loaves. Incredible. It's really incredible. So, what can we conclude from this? I would conclude that because God is, the, is, is, is a never a changing God who is the same yesterday and today and forever, and he treats all equally without respect of person, that means that he will do the same for us. He will, he will take care of us through this crisis. That Yes, it, it, it may seem dark some days. We, we might struggle and be hanging on in our faith at different times throughout this crisis, and yet he will see us through. He will get us through. Because the scriptures tell us there is no depth so deep or dark that he is not there. And there is no height so high that he is not present. Yes, this is the God who loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son for us. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee his peace. Amen.